0: This morning, we are privileged to have a guest with us who will be preaching. Joe Ho is the head of Focus Ministries for Inner Varsity. lives here in Austin, has been a dear friend to our community for a number of years. Focus Ministry means that Joe kind of oversees all the ministries related to like particular ethnicity or particular vocation and that sort of thing. Um, And what I love about Joe is that whenever he comes and shares, there's always incredible thoughtfulness but also, more deeply, this incredible love for Jesus and for God's people, and I am excited about that. I was laughing, the passage I gave Joe this week to preach on, I didn't think of this at the time, but I was reading a commentary a few weeks ago, and we're like, these are the most difficult verses in the entire Gospel of John, and so I was like, perfect. Those are perfect for Joe, uh, rather than for me. So Joe, I wanna invite you up, and let's pray a blessing over Joe. Where you're seated, you can go ahead and extend a hand. We're gonna pray a blessing over Joe as he preaches here. Gracious and Almighty God, thank you for Joe, thank you for his work uh, at university and in the nation um, in evangelism and discipleship of university students. We pray your blessing over him in that work, and we thank you for the gift that he is to our community, and we ask now that Joe and the gift of your word, the gift of your spirit would work together in such a way that we would receive your word this morning for us um, and become more fully your own people. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus,
1: amen. Amen, it's good to be here, it's great to see all of you, I feel great warmth, Tracy and I always feel great warmth with being with you corporately, and as I've gotten to know some of you individually, it's also good to see familiar faces again. Um, What I'm hoping to do this morning is actually to have a rather casual, informal conversation, and maybe, I hadn't thought about it, but maybe it's a way to avoid a more expository (laughs) sermon on the most difficult passage in John. Um, But we're going to have a a conversation that, although it's informal, I expect that it will be important, I expect that it will um, be challenging at some points, and will require some level of subtlety, so if you'll hang with me. Um, So so the the conversation today is going to be about identity, the power and uh, perils of identity. This, this passage starts with Abraham is our father, and that is a statement of identity, and we're going to be talking about that. So, and, and it will be um, both because of the, the passage itself, um, and it's also will be because my particular social location, and you'll hear, hear about that. Um, so first of all, why identity? Um, this passage this morning is part of a more extended conversation that begins with last week's text, will end with next week's test, text. And it is largely an argument about identity and freedom, if you will. And and, uh, the the statements like, uh, we are uh, are offspring of Abraham. Abraham is our father. That's a statement of identity. And identity is something that um, in the disputation about identity, the heat rises. Over the course of these three weeks, you will hear um, the difference between how Jesus' audience thinks of themselves, if you take identity to be what we think of ourselves, what they think of themselves, and what Jesus thinks of them. And you will also see a disjunction between what Jesus thinks of himself, who he thinks he is, and who they think he is. And as they disagree about that, the temperature rises and rises um, uh, over the course of this week, where at the beginning of last week's text, the people were described as those who had believed in him. And at the end of next week's text, they will be described as people who are picking up stones to kill him you know, over the course of that time. And somehow this topic of identity um, is what brings us to that fever pitch, that, that difference. And so that's uh, one reason why we're talking about it. Um, a second reason would also be that I actually think that um, almost every argument that I hear these days has the subtext of identity and freedom and their relationship. Well, what is, what is the nature of identity? What do you mean by it? What do you mean by freedom? And what if anything, is the relationship between identity and freedom. And that would be true of arguments between people and households and arguments between nations. They all seem to have some subtext of that same argument. And so it's very relevant to our day, even as then. Um, But another reason why I decided to go this route is because I think about identity all the time. It's always, it's like an app running on the background. And one reason is that in university ministry, uh, the majority of the people that we work with as a ministry are emerging adults. And also, the majority of my ministry colleagues are also emerging adults. And that's probably the time of life where the questions of identity are at the most front burner and highest, like, emotional content. And so, that's, that's true of my world. Um, and secondarily, um, my current job is, is actually overseeing the parts of university that explicitly and intentionally try to minister to identity affinity groups, whether that be academics such as nurses, uh, whether that be social affinity and identity such as fraternity and sorority, or whether that be ethnic identity such as native and indigenous students. Right? So, that's, so the power and the peril of identity is sort of the waters that I'm swimming in all the time. So if I may say a quick, brief prayer, we're just going to talk through it and we'll refer back and forth to my experiences and then the, uh, the text itself. God, we evoke your presence today, um, not relying on ourselves, but on your desire to know us and to love us and to transform us through our interaction with each other and your word. And so we trust in that. Um, ask that the words that are spoken by me would be ones um, that would be purified and uh, brought into the hearts of each hearer um, uh, through the mediation of your spirit. Amen. So. Identity, you know, on the surface you think, identity, that's just, that's just who I am, right? Who I am. I actually find that uh, deeply inadequate for most conversations, so I want to pro- propose a couple other ways of thinking about identity. One of the ways is of identity is, actually, identity is who I tell myself that I am. So there's a little bit of a distinction, because that also separates identity from reputation, which is who other people tell themselves that I am, right? So often, uh, but, but I think it's also important to, to sort of say, what, what do I, tell myself that I am, and then the other, another maybe alternative way to think about identity is that um, it, is, it is the we whenever I use the word we, right, it's, and it's, any, it's whatever group of people that I can say is we, that's my identity. So let me use an example for my Asian American identity. Like, If uh, I have an Asian Asian heritage, an Asian American heritage, I can actually not have that as my identity, even though that's part of my heritage, right? If it's not something that I claim as me, or if it's not a, a group where I would say that's we, then even though it may be a characteristic or a heritage, it's not an identity. It's not very important to me. It's not formative to me, at least in a conscious way, and it's not something that I claim. So for example, if I, if, if, I, um, if I don't claim that identity, and I have a friend say, as some friends have said, I don't really think of you as Asian, and if I don't think of myself as Asian, then that doesn't really matter to me. But if I claim that identity, if I tell myself as that, if I own that as a we, and someone says, I don't really think of you as Asian, I would feel like, oh, well, I, that would create tension, because I do think of myself as Asian. right? So that's, that's an, a bit of a distinction. Hang on with me for all this hair splitting, because it'll come up to something later on. Um, So as we think about that, I want as we think about the power of identity, I want to think about what it does for us. Like, why do we do that thing called identity? Because it's in dispute. It's in dispute in the passage, and it's also in dispute in our world today. And it seems to me that identity, this idea of thinking of myself in a way, or having a community of we... Um, seems to be like a really important way we have of navigating a complicated and difficult world. So this world is constantly sending us signals about what we should do, where we should be, and and it's it's just a cacophony. It's just all of these signals are... um, They're multiple, they're varied, they're contradictory, and we need to find some way of filtering all that stuff and actually being some sort of person or some sort of people in that kind of world. And identity helps us do that. That when, um, for instance, we say that I am a longhorn, or I am an artist, or I am an Anglican, each of those things, um, it situates us in a way that we pay attention to certain things, we, we elevate certain things in our attention, we, you know, we maybe pay less attention to other things, and it allows us to filter, if you will, the world. It allows us to filter it Among most of the time among like-minded people and it allows us to filter it in a consistent way over enough time that we can actually Occupy some sort of coherent space in how we live our life or a coherent trajectory of how we're going in the in the lacking of Identity is a key tool. It's going to it's hard to deal with this kind of world Moreover if you have an identity that is in some way Subordinated, like uh, for instance, if you are not part of a majority or a dominant culture, ethnic identities would be often would often come about that way. It's a way of being able to, particularly important way to situate yourself in that world. So again, myself as an Asian American, um, I carry an Asian heritage. It's part of what I've received, you know, from my parents and their history and all that. So there, um, I find myself constantly filtered by a larger dominant society that will like admit some things and you know, not admit other things and encourage some things and discourage other things and that filtering is happening. right? So if I don't own that identity, then I'll be more or less passive to that filtering. Like Whatever the dominant culture says, come in, I'll come in. Whatever the dominant culture says, filter out, we'll filter out. Um, but I might filter out things I might want to keep or I might admit things that I might want to filter out if I'm, not, if I'm not owning it. But if I own that identity, that helps me. In some ways, I get to filter the culture back as, as, I, own, uh, as I own my Asian American identity, and that allows, that allows maybe a more firm, coherent trajectory with which to sort of live in the world. So back to the passage. I'm saying that because the people in this passage who are disputing with Jesus are largely disputing over their ethnic identity, and they have used that identity to to survive in a larger Roman culture that is trying to assimilate and in some ways extinguish them, not just just them and and their, their cultural heritage, but also, for them, a cultural heritage that carries the very eternal truths of God. Right, and and unless they maintain that the eternal truths of God do not exist on Earth, right? That's their their word. And so I think we can forgive the people in this uh, in this story for being rather attached to being children of Abraham. Pretty like feisty about it. Um, and maybe a little bit difficult and, and uh, be, because it actually that kind of persistent clinging to their, their identity was probably why they survived and why they were surviving. Um, and so the dynamic that we see here is the, the, the dynamic of identity. It's a dynamic of the power of identity because of the power of identity to be able to navigate the world, especially a world uh, where... Um, things are stacked against you, where you're being, where you're being filtered out, you know? Um, it, it allows you to exist in that kind of the world, and that's the kind of it's function it served for us today, and it's the function it served for them. Now, here's what I want to point out. Jesus did not have a problem with their identity or with their use of their identity. These days, there's quite a bit of, um, in my world, in the university world, there's quite a bit of a push-pull about identity. Like, the university itself, like we love identities, like we we love thinking of them. We 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 make it our goal to come up with a new one every two or three years, um, and uh, or find ever more like in like uh, ever more uh, nuanced ways of describing them. But there's actually a very strong political movement right now that is reacting against that to say, "Whoa, that's over the top. We should." de-emphasize identity and not talk about it um, and not use it as a very important signal. And then you know, there's all kinds of fights and people are losing their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, people are passing laws. So, that, so that, that, that disputation is happening right now. But I want to point out that Jesus doesn't have a problem with their identifying with Abraham per se. He accepts it. He says, last week we heard, you heard, you are children of Abraham. He says it this week. He says, um, Abraham did not do do such things. Abraham didn't behave like you. In other words, you ought to act more like Abraham. Like, you ought to be better children of Abraham. Next week, uh, we'll hear him say, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced, right? So, he actually accepts the identification, and he appeals to it, right? As opposed to saying, hey, you shouldn't actually use your identification—you should actually all just relate to me directly as undifferentiated individuals, or something like that. Um, he has doesn't have a problem with it. Yeah, and so um, in our world, uh, in in our world with focused ministries, even within our own movement, there's a push pull about should we emphasize like ministry for athletes, you know, or like should we do ministry for like fraternity and sorority students, like that's. You know, so um, should we talk about racial identity, right? So th- that, there's a push-pull, and there's a legitimate conversation about that. Um, our posture in focus ministries has been to try to affirm, to try to actually, as far as we can, to affirm and appeal to the creational goods within any identity, um, and to be able to look for redemptive potential within that identity. Um, we, we affirm it to an uncomfortable degree. Like I would say that, like, and as someone who oversees multiple ministries, uh, I'm, out, I'm an outsider to most of them, right? So I would say we affirm to the degree that to, all, to most outsiders it is uncomfortable, and even to some insiders it's com- uncomfortable. Um, and so that, and I find myself in that kind of world. I, I, one of the things that we, we often say is we are trying to reach... High identity, or people who like highly identify with these these communities. And part of why we do that is, how we do that is to to have a very affirmative finding the good within there. Um, Again, we're going to get to the peril later on of identity. But I would like to point out that Jesus doesn't have a problem with identity in and of itself. um, Even though we might have uh, good, good arguments about how much we ought to do that. Uh, so let's move on now to think about what are the perils of identity that might be found in those. Um, we all, again, we all do it. They did it back then. Jesus generally regards it as a legitimate thing that they're doing and he appeals to it. But yet there are some perils to identity. So um, one of the main ones. Uh, before we actually get into this passage, but I would say one of the natural things that happens whenever we have an identity is that we try, that we try to define what it essentially is. Um, and in doing so, we, we actually establish a boundary. Like, what does it mean to be a good longhorn? Um, what does it mean to be a legitimate artist? What does it mean to be a legitimate Anglican, you know, or something like that? And you actually notice within each of those communities, there's a dynamic of both building a wall and setting a standard, right? You build the wall to be able to define yourself, but it also, it, it also uh, has an us, them, right? There's us, not us. And any time you make a definition, it, it, it has uh, that effect. The interesting thing is within the community, those same standards have the effect of, oh, we're, um, we're now comparing amongst ourselves to see who is truly more, Artist, artistic Anglican Longhorn. As a matter of fact, at, at Texas A&M, the Bronx Aggies, there's a there's actually a technical term for the people who don't meet that standard, or who are, they call them the two percenters. Right, ninety-eight percent of the people, but the, the supposedly ninety-eight percent of people at, at Texas A&M are true Aggies, and then two percent are not, and that's for the two percenters. Right? So there, there, there's technical terms. There's ways of saying, um, in, in politics, you've heard of rhino, right? Republican in name only. Right? So there, the idea would be like, if you're a Republican, there's like the real ones, and there's the ones who don't quite make the cut. And I'm sure any circle there will be such a thing. And that's part of the peril of, of identities. It creates fences and standards um, that, are, are, that are unhelpful. Um, it's, this is actually the topic of several of uh, Paul's letters is, is sort of this general, uh, this general idea and general problem. One of the things I used to say when I was the director of Asian American ministries in my previous job is that you know, um, I would find that in, my, in those circles, whenever we gathered Asian American students or staff, it was full of people who everyone was anxious about whether I was Asian enough. And, then, and, and actually, as I would talk to other ethnic groups like... The black campus ministries would be people like, I don't know if I'm black enough or something like that. That's always in the subtext of, of those groups. And I would, I would say to Asian Americans to say that your ethnic identity is not how much you conform to a norm, but whether you can glory in your story. Um, so the, the idea is it's, 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 a, it's an embracing and ownership of what God has done historically, regardless of... How, how fluent you are in the particular language or whether you, know, you eat with chopsticks or whatever, right those kinds of norming things that, that we use with each other. So that is a pitfall, um, and for me that's a main pitfall. Now, In this particular passage um, where Jesus is teaching, he, he expresses a, a, a slightly different pitfall, um, and he expresses it in this way. You are of your father the devil. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, And what he's saying is this. He doesn't have a problem with Abraham. It's just that being descendant of Abraham can do some things and it can't do others. It, it It can help you maintain your identity in the face of opposition. It can give you a coherent life and trajectory in the world. It does not prevent you from potentially being a child of the devil and as identifying as much with the devil as with this other identity. Um, As a matter of fact, this keeps coming up in this whole disputation. Last week, Peter was talking about sin and how how sin is, is like this pervasive power. And last week, you hear him saying, hey, Abraham's great. It does not prevent you. It does not give you a pass from potentially being a slave to sin. And then this week, there's in a similar way, he says it doesn't give you a pass from potentially being of your father, the devil. Again, very, very strong language. Um, and what he's saying is this, that um, our identity may help us navigate in the, uh, as the world, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee um, our identification with God. Like Sometimes we think, because of this identification, that identification gets me an identification with God. It's like, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, And there's this temptation to presumption because of our identity for that to be something that validates us. We often use it to validate ourselves. It's actually not for that. Um, Validate us in front of others. It's not for that either. And, And maybe the most dangerous of all is if we think our identity, whatever that might be, whether that be a Longhorn, an artist, or an Anglican, would validate us before God. As a matter of fact, one of the temptations of being from like a marginalized people group is that, you know, we look in scripture and say, well, God is for the marginalized and this preferential option for the poor and uh, restorative justice and God's heart for justice, which is all true. And And we would say that because we can define ourselves as a marginalized people group, then God is for us. And that is true. That does not necessarily mean at all that we are for God. As a matter of fact, we, that, that, that it, those of us with mar, in front, in, that identifies marginalized people groups, there's a way for us to say that, um, that we need to hear that God could be completely for us insofar as our marginalization goes, and we at the very same time could be utterly against God in, in who we are, and, and that there's no guarantee one, that, one, that one, one does not guarantee the other. Um, and that's a temptation for us. But there are all kinds of ways where we might have a, a, an identity of some other sort, of a Christian heritage, of a uh, political conviction, of a theological or denominational you know, a trajectory that might, we might think that, that just because this gives us a helpful trajectory in the world, um, that it guarantees us a particular status before God. And that is the danger that Jesus says. And, and the fact that he disputes that is one of the things that cranks the heat one level higher in this this, uh, conversation. Um, Brief side note, we're not going to talk about the devil that much, um, but the fact that Jesus said that that you are are of your father, the devil, it's, um, I guess as a sidebar, I would say it's not just um, rhetoric. Um, When Jesus says, like, you're a slave to sin, he's referring to something that's real. And when Jesus says oh, you are of your father, the devil, although that's metaphorical language, he's referring to something that's that's real. Um, I, I think it's hard. To, I think it's difficult, maybe, to say that in the modern in the modern world um, to say that that. Um, You are of your father, the devil. Jesus is not just saying there is a literary figure in the Old Testament called the devil and you are demonstrating resemblance to such literary figure Um, that that it it seems clear to me that in Jesus' mind and in the mind of the apostles, there was something that, there there was a real physical, not necessarily physical, but there's a real uh, existence to evil that's represented by this. And so um, it's not part of the main main topic, but I thought, Throw that one in there. I think because of our temptation to say that it's, it's purely metaphorical. By the way, two other uses in John. One of them, when Jesus says, referring to Judas, one of you is a devil. That's metaphorical. But then later on, he said, the devil entered Judas Iscariot. Like, that is not just metaphor in, in, in my, my estimation. Um, so maybe to, to review and, and to recap where, where we've been, Jesus enters into this disputation with These people that at least at some point liked him, um, and he challenges them about their conception of identity. He actually doesn't contest that their identity is a good thing, that it performs good and helpful functions. As a matter of fact, he even appeals to it to say, hey, this is, you know, you should allow that identity to form you in the right way. But he warns them also about the ways that their identity and through the scriptures to us, the ways that our identities might um, make us presume that we are on the right side of God because of our identities. Because of that, that in somehow it can perform the function that only Jesus himself can do for us. Abraham is great, but Abraham couldn't do anything about sin. Abraham is great, but Abraham can't do anything about the devil. Um, those, things, those stories that you tell yourself each day to get through the world and to be able to cope with the world, um, who you tell yourself that you are, they can be super helpful. Um, they, they will not free you from sin. They cannot free you. They cannot keep you free from the devil. Um, and so my, my challenge for us today is to be able to receive with open-handedness and self-consciousness those ways in which our identities can help us in the world, can put us on a trajectory, you know, the right kind of trajectory, but that we would cling to Christ and to Christ alone for being able to put us in relationship the, uh, with the Father, to deal with the, 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 the unholy trinity of sin, the devil, and death um, that we are powerless before uh, and, and, that none of our identities could save us from. So let me pray for us. We we thank you for a chance to uh, spend a few moments in, in conversation this morning. Um, and uh, as we consider uh, the lives that we live and maybe take telescope out into ha- the stories we tell ourselves, um, we confess um, that we often use them in ways that are beyond what you uh, gave them to us for. Um, we. Uh, we confess that you and you alone are the one who can mediate our relationship with the Father. You and you alone are the one who is strong and powerful enough to enter into the, the um, unbeatable uh, adversaries, into, into conflict with the unbeatable adversaries of sin, uh, death, and the devil, um, and that you alone can overcome. We, uh, we declare our helplessness individually and in our identities before those, and we ask uh, for your mercy, we ask for your grace, um, and we ask for your companionship. Um, May none of us uh, seek to uh, live in our identities as a way to be independent of you, but rather we be driven more closely to you. Amen.